sound check. One, two. Amen. Praise God. Uh, good to see you out tonight. Uh, uh, glad to have you with us uh, again. Uh, a great thank you to Pastor Gregory and his wife uh, uh, for the opportunity to minister here uh, tonight again. Uh, uh, this morning, uh, awesome presence of God. Uh, uh, just a powerful spirit uh, of what God is doing. And uh, we want to get uh, that same uh, Spirit of God in this place tonight as I minister to you. Um, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want you to keep that open with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to uh, preach tonight something that's going to uh, help you process um, the Christian world. Something that I believe is going to help you understand uh, the dynamics of the type of Christian world we are living in uh, today, the dynamics of church and church growth, uh, the dynamics of salvation. Now, I recently decided, uh, as you know, during the MCO, we were locked up and we did all our sermons online, and so all other churches were doing that. But I uh, decided to uh, watch a particular mega church's online church service. Uh, and, and I must say, giving credit where credit is due, that it was uh, professionally produced. One of the best I have ever seen. It was, uh, in many ways, it was riveting but riveting in the sense of entertaining. It was extremely entertaining. If I ever want Christian entertainment, that would be the place to go. What was disturbing to me though, was not the level of entertainment. Now entertainment, we have to be careful of that because uh, performance... Uh, can be mistaken for presence. Yeah, Alright, performance can be mistaken for presence. Because it's a great performance, we can say there is the presence of God. Hype can be mistaken for the Holy Spirit. And so, but that was not what disturbed me the most. What disturbed me was not the level of entertainment, but rather... The prayer of repentance. At the end of the service, the senior pastor's wife, she gets up and begins to lead on that day probably thousands of people viewing uh, the sermon. And the prayer of repentance lacked repentance. I viewed another service because I didn't want to just come out and make a statement. So I sat down through another service. A different pastor was preaching and he led people at the end of that service through a prayer of repentance that lacked repentance. And what I begin to see as I begin to now my, my thoughts begin to, to, to move in that direction. I begin to view 
these other mega churches. And one thing that I realized uh, was at the end of every service, when they led people to Jesus Christ, the prayer of repentance lacked repentance. This was glaringly omitted in all of these services. And what is the most, imp- the, the most important prayer a person will ever make in their life? And I want to show you a difference. The most important prayer a person will make in their life is not, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. We are led to believe today in the mega church generation that the most important prayer you will make is to ask Jesus into your heart. That is not the most important prayer you will make in your life. The most important prayer you will make in your life is, Father, I acknowledge I am a sinner. Jesus... Forgive me my sins. And I want to preach a sermon tonight. Uh, I've entitled, Lead Me to Calvary. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and we'll look at verse 21. One portion of scripture. 12.21 Lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you. And I shall mourn for many. And listen carefully to what he says here. And I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. Let's pray. Father, I come before you tonight in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, I humble myself before you. I acknowledge your glory, O God. I acknowledge, God, your presence. I pray that you will visit us tonight, that you will bless your servant with unction tonight to minister your word. All the glory is yours, God. In Jesus' name we pray. So firstly tonight, let's look at salvation starts with repentance. So that means salvation doesn't start with Jesus coming to my heart. We have to be clear about that. Because in our text, in verse 21, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, You could say, if you would like to say this could be the first uh, uh, type of mega church, very large church. So this Corinthian church, uh, and he makes this amazing claim, to me it's an amazing claim, that in that early church, as you read the text, that there were, this is the early church, this is as early as you can get in our Christian faith. When you want to talk about church growth and church multiplication and people being added into the congregations in their churches. 
right? And so here he makes this amazing claim that in that Corinthian church or churches, there were people who were a part of those congregations who had never repented of their sins. There may have been a host of reasons they were coming to church, but seemingly, according to Paul's report, it was void of repentance. That is to say, there were people in the midst of that congregation who had not actually admitted to being a sinner and asking Jesus for forgiveness for their sins. And this, is, and this not only disturbed Paul, but apparently it caused him some serious distress. From the tone of the letter, you, can, you feel that he is irate with these people. When you begin to read the whole letter, the whole chapter, you begin to see that he is unhappy with what is happening in the church. And I want to say that it is no better in our churches today. We have a multitude of people coming to churches all around the world for a host of reasons. It makes me feel good. I feel at peace. I'm coming because I believe Christianity is the true religion. They come because maybe they are intellectually stimulated. They like the people in the church. I mean, we are the most likable people on the planet. Right? They like the pastor and the wife. They feel welcome and at home. They had some spiritual experience. They received healing. They got delivered. They see business opportunities. They grew up as a Christian. So they are traditional Christians. The programs and activities and the facilities are up to their standards, etc., etc., etc. You can add whatever you want to add if I've missed anything tonight. But people come to church for a host of reasons. But the plethora of reasons are all void of the most important element of Christianity, and it is what the Bible calls salvation. And biblical salvation, Bible salvation, starts with repentance. Without repentance, there is no salvation. Being born again, being termed saved, means you have unequivocally admitted to all your sins and you have acknowledged to God that you are a sinner 
in need of his forgiveness and you repent repentance salvation starts with repentance it can start no other way jesus heal me doesn't mean you're saved jesus delivered me doesn't mean you're saved i like the church doesn't mean you're saved I've been coming a long time. Doesn't mean you're saved. My parents are Christians. Doesn't mean you're saved. <laughs> There must be repentance. The apostle Paul, who was the greatest preacher that had ever lived, said this of himself, Romans 7:24. Romans 7:24. O wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord So if you say tonight if anyone declares themselves and you say maybe that you are a Christian or you say that you want to be saved You have to repent and you have to ask forgiveness for your sins from God. John the Baptist started his ministry with the call to repentance. He said repent for the kingdom of God is close at hand. Jesus started his ministry with the call to repentance he said repent for the kingdom of god is close at hand peter preached the first sermon and as he preached that first sermon we always speak about the thousands that turned to jesus christ but what did he do He called every single one of them who heard his message he said to them repent He brought them to repentance throughout the New Testament every salvation was preceded by repentance You know what you find in the New Testament you find the word repentance a lot. It says a lot of times repent repent repent. You never find Jesus come into my heart. You never find. Peter stood there and preached he didn't say ask Jesus into your heart. Jesus didn't start his ministry and said ask me into your heart. John the Baptist didn't say ask Jesus into your heart. Where did this ask Jesus into your heart come from? You can ask Jesus into your heart after you repent. The gospel message is a gospel that brings us to repentance. 
But in our church world today, people are being ironically saved without the need for repentance. I remember years ago as a disciple, I had a pastor's wife come up to me and said, stop calling people sinners. Stop calling people sinners. I'm so glad my uncle called me a sinner because it's the first time my eyes was opened that I was a sinner. I'm glad he called my brothers sinners because before that, nobody called us a sinner. And if he never called us a sinner, man, we're pretty happy with our lifestyle. But when you call me a sinner, I had to think, am I a sinner? So people are coming and being saved without repentance. They are being given salvation without having to first acknowledge their sinful nature and their propensity to sin. They are being led to believe that they have a good heart. Please find somewhere in the Bible that says, somewhere, Somebody please stand up in the mega church since it's on YouTube. I might as well preach to the YouTube crowd. Please stand up in your mega church, have some guts, ask your pastor where in the Bible it says I have a good heart. Because I don't know which Bible people are reading. My Bible says the heart of man is wicked. It's wicked. It says there is none righteous. No, not one. When did we start calling people good people? There are, God says there are no good people. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? There's no good people. We are being lied to. People are being lied to. And it's a strategy of hell. It's a placebo. Have you ever heard of a placebo? Does anyone know what a placebo is? You know, sometimes you have kids. And, and my kids also, I think maybe it was, I don't know which one it was, maybe one or two of my kids. But, you know, when, when they get, get uh, uh, you know, pain, oh, pain, pain, in the body, pain, pain, pain. And, and sometimes when you go to the doctor, the doctor says, you know, maybe this is not pain. <laughs> you know, doctors, you know, this, this, especially I like this one old doctor. He doesn't practice anymore. But I like him because he scold us. Imagine a doctor, you bring your ch- child and says, why did you bring him? Why did you bring her? Everything, doctor, doctor, doctor. The doctor is telling us. <laughs> I like him, I really like him. You know, he's like, eh, this is normal, normal, normal. Go home, go home. You know? And he'll say, he'll say oh, this one, uh, I think this one is not the... Uh. So you know what he'll do? He'll give sugar water. He said, test this one first. This mix like medicine and give sugar water. If the pain goes away, it means you know it wasn't painful. It's called a placebo. Now that's okay for children. It's not okay for salvation. That's not good for the Christian world. 
Because you're telling people, you're giving them a type of gospel, you're telling them Jesus loves you, they come in, they believe they are saved and they believe they are born again, but they are not. They have been given salvation without the acknowledgement of sin in their life. And I want to say that they are being deceived to believe that they can receive salvation without repentance. Beloved, there is no salvation without repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. Can we have that up? The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God wants everyone on the planet to come to repentance. How are you going to church saying you're Christian when God says, I want all to come to repentance and you've never repented? So secondly then, let's look at repentance. Where does repentance start from? Repentance starts at Calvary. Why Calvary? Because that is where your sins were paid for by blood. All of us, somewhere in our lives, must meet Jesus at Calvary's cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 33. Luke 23, 33 reads, And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. It is at Calvary's cross that the sins of the world were laid on the back of Jesus. It is at Calvary's cross that he was pierced for our sins. It is at Calvary's cross that he died for you and me until you meet my blooded Savior on the cross of Calvary. Don't tell me you are a Christian. You cannot be a Christian until you meet Jesus in all the horror of the cross. Now, I, I hear stories of, and this is not even in my sermon, this is a thought that came, I don't even know whether I should say it, but anyway, I hear stories of, of, of Christian parents and they take their children to horror movies or to let them watch horror movies. Hello, forget the horror movie, amen, just take them to the cross. They lead their children everywhere else but the cross. It is at the cross. A bloodied cross. A horror before our eyes. A man beaten and broken and maimed. Unrecognizable. Blood everywhere. How many of you have ever been for Taipusam? When I was young, my, for some reason, I wasn't Hindu, but my parents loved to take me for stuff like that. And then they wondered why we were crazy. Amen. And they pierce themselves and they, and they, they, they do, do poke themselves and they put the thing. And 
you go there and you see people and, and, and this mass of people, they're carrying the kavadis and everything. But what do you see? You see blood everywhere. You smell the stench of blood. It's every, you can smell it, amen. I'm, I've never been for one for years now, but as a kid, I remember going every once in a while, amen, going to see it, amen. And I still remember as a kid the stench of the blood. That was what the cross was like. Beaten, bruised, hanging, blood spilling down. That stench. Oh no. Boboy, come boboy. Don't go there. Don't. Meme, come meme. Right? Don't see. Horrible. You better let them see. We better let people see a bloodied cross. Don't claim to be a Christian unless you have faced Jesus on Calvary's cross and seen what your sins and my sins did to him. Because when you see him there, you have to ask, why? And then you have to hear those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Don't affiliate yourself with Christianity until you are willing to admit the shame of your sins. Our sins are shameful. It's okay. We have all done it. But it is shameful. But until you admit the shame of your sin and ask Him who died on the cross for forgiveness, do not claim to be a Christian. Until you claim and ask God for forgiveness, until then you are not saved, beloved. Until then people are not saved. Until then they are not born again. Until then your sins will not be forgiven. Until then you will still die and go to hell. And you can go to church and you can say, you know, sometimes, you know, my mom will say, oh, I went and met somebody and, you know, the first word out of the house, oh, my church is very big. As though that makes a difference. What does, what do you mean by my church is very big? The football stadium also is very big. My church is very big does not make claim to nothing. Until your sins are forgiven. Until your life, until then your life will not be changed. So, you know, we always wonder, you know, yeah, yeah, they all go to church, but I don't know why, huh? they still drink and they still smoke, they still get drunk, you know, and then uh, their son uh, shooting drugs now, why, uh, why, uh, why, why they never change, uh? Because you're not saved. You're not saved. Until then, you are not a Christian. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent. Repent. 
and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today, we want to baptize people without repentance. Put them through some classes. Right? I understand now in the Roman Catholic Church, they only uh, have confirmation at uh, Form 5 now. And, they don't, and so they, they, um, uh, I, I think one of the reasons is because uh, at Form 3, after they get their confirmation, they all don't come to church after that. So they you have you have to you know so they postponed it to form five so they have to keep coming to get that confirmation of being a Catholic and so they 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 they, they postpone and put them through all these classes but never once do they tell them bow down your knees and repent for your sins. How do I know that? Because I came out of the Catholic Church. Never once do they say to you, you, you know, whatever you want to call us, you brat you, you loud mouth, you laga, whatever. Repent. Turn away from your sin. Who cares if you take confirmation and you still have your sin in you? Who cares if you come to church for 20 years, and you still have never repented of your sins. So lastly then, I want to look at lead me to Calvary. If you say you are a Christian, then what you are telling me is that somewhere in the course of your life, you had an experience with Jesus at Calvary's cross. You came into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords uh, and that experience exposed your sins and you repented of them and you asked Jesus for forgiveness. Let me say something to you tonight. You can repent of your sins and Jesus will come into your heart without even you asking. But you can ask Jesus into your heart, but your sins will never be forgiven. It works one way, it doesn't work the other way. If you are leading someone to Christ, oh beloved, don't get tempted. Uh, because you know, sometimes uh, churches, they feel pressured, amen. Because the, people are going to these, these big churches and they, you, know, you get pressured and you, you try to make everything as nice. And, and I'm okay, I'm good, I'm good with performance. But let me tell you something, do the post-mortem. At the end of the performance, if there wasn't presence, forget that, scrap that. And so we get tempted, amen, because we want to make everything nice and we want to make everything so comfortable for people so that they will choose to come to your church Hello, I want to say to you, if you are leading someone to Christ, you have to lead them to Calvary's cross first. And if they don't want to be led to Calvary's cross and wanted to go to the church across the street, they are pasal. But I won't lie to you. I won't give you a false sense of security. They must have a personal encounter with Christ. They must have their sins exposed. Exposed. 
Expose. You know what expose means? Like a wound. The word expose, your sins. God exposes your sins means it's like a gash. Uh, and, and you're exposed and the bone is showing. With all the gall. And they are given the opportunity to ask for forgiveness and repent. There are no shortcuts to heaven, beloved. There are no slip roads to salvation. And every truly born again believer who has had a genuine encounter with Jesus knows and has experienced what I am talking about. Some will say to me tonight, I'm bringing this to a close. Some will say to me tonight, Well, Alan, you go ahead and ask people to meet Jesus at the cross of Calvary and I will go ahead and ask uh, them to meet him at the empty tomb. Wow, powerful. Alan, you go ahead and tell them to meet the dead Savior and I will go ahead and tell them to meet the risen Christ. Hallelujah. This is my answer. It's not long. There is no Resurrection Sunday without Good Friday. Don't offer people Resurrection Sunday if you haven't shown them Good Friday. That means in order for a person to truly appreciate salvation, People, you know, realize people don't appreciate the cross anymore, don't appreciate Jesus every time. You know, they're saved, you know, and every time you talk to them about, yeah, I know, I know, I know about Jesus, but you know, you know, life is life, you know, you know, difficult, no life, life, and you don't want to talk about Jesus. You, you know why people do that? Because they don't appreciate salvation. To appreciate salvation, they have to first understand what they are being saved from. Until you show them hell, don't show them heaven. In order for someone to look forward to heaven, they have to first see hell behind them. You know what keeps people safe? Hell behind you. Ever, ever had a dog chase you? I remember years ago, amen, years ago, I'll just tell you a story, it just came to my head, amen. I remember years ago, amen, we used to train and in LaSalle PJ, we have this route called the 1.2. And everyone had to run the 1.2. It doesn't matter, amen. I mean, you, even if, if you claim to be, uh, you know, a, a, a girly boy, you, you also had to run. They didn't care, amen. Those days, they didn't care, amen. Everyone had to run. Girls, boys, they don't care. You have to run it. And it was normal. Everyone ran the route. And so I remember for training, we used to run that route all the time. And we'll run and run and run. And, you know, one time we were running it and, you know, I was tired, man. You know, it was a long day of training and I was tired, really, really tired. Right? But then... I thought, you know, that's it, man. I can't, I can't do this anymore. No, I'm, I probably have to slow down the pace. And then a dog started to chase me. And there was energy. Where the energy came from? You know why? Because I was being chased down. The hound of hell was chasing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. 
People need to see hell behind. And I tell you what, they'll stay saved. It isn't it obvious that this is the gospel message. You first need to understand that the wages of sin is death before you can appreciate that the gift of God is eternal life. Today, it's from the same verse. But today, everybody wants to preach the gift of God is eternal life. It's the same verse. They don't want to say to you first, the wages of sin is death. But the verse comes out that way so that we understand it. That is why we were led to Calvary. And that is why we must lead sinners to Calvary. Because it is at Calvary, at the cross, that our sins will be washed away. If you are in this place and you have never repented of your sins, at the end of this service, you need to do that. If you are watching this sermon and you've never repented, at the end of this service, you need to do that. If you have come in need of Christ, you cannot invite Jesus into your heart unless and until you repent of your sins and ask for forgiveness. Let's go finally to Mark chapter 2, verse 17. Mark chapter 2, verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you want Jesus in your life, if you want the hope that we have as Christians, if you want the peace and joy we profess and are promised, Repent, turn away from your sin, call on the name of Jesus, and you shall be saved. You have to repent. Can I have your head bowed and eye closed tonight?